You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life Moscow Campus, reaching the world for Jesus one person at a time. Uh, hello, my name is Josh Gray. Uh, I am the executive pastor here at Real Life and excited to be here today. We would like to welcome our fabulous folks from Pullman. Welcome. Hi, Pullman. I was going through my shirts to wear today, and I was like, well, since we're welcoming Pullman, I will wear this Washington State shirt. And for some reason, over the holidays, this thing just shrunk super tight right here. And like all of my shirts were just like, woo. So uh, I don't know if you, anybody else is having the shirt shrinking problem, but man, it is an epidemic in my closet. And uh, this is my good friend, Paul Hansen, who is wearing the awesome uh, financial advisor outfit, which fits great, apparently. Apparently, handling your finances well can also help you handle your food well. And so, uh, Paul is here. Join, in, join us, Paul. Welcome. Glad you're here. Um, Paul is one of you. He's one of us. He's a member of our church. Uh, he's been a member for, for nine years. Uh, Paul owns a firm that has over 70 financial planners um, that work with him and for him, and he, they've helped thousands and thousands of people with finances and planning. And I was thinking as we're coming to our money series that we do every year, and if you're new with us, welcome. This is what we talk about four times a year, so the other 48 times, you know, talk about other stuff. But um, we're, we're super excited. We're talking about debt. So we can have a really quick sermon on debt, right, Paul? We could just be like, yeah, don't get any, and thank you for coming. Um, but I wanted to give us some more tools and some more things to be thinking about um, as you go through this year and we talk about finances and what it looks like in our lives and how it kind of bleeds out of us and, and how we act and how we function. And so uh, super excited. So it's going to be kind of an interview style. Oh, by the way, I was, uh, I was thinking about this earlier. I had a couple of uh, emails that came in this week, and I thought they were pretty cool, and I wanted to share with you what you and your generosity and your giving and your faithfulness has done. First of all, we had another awesome Benevolence Thursday. We helped a lot of people on Thursday. Um, super excited about that. Uh, we had a need that came in for real needs. You guys know what real needs is, right? And it said, need met. Thank you for the donations to help the formerly homeless woman with living room furniture. We also have found a firm bed for the woman as she had a, a back injury. So good job, church. And then we had a new need uh, that came in. And this one you guys probably want to know about. Let's see. Um, previously, let's see, a homeless single mom is in need of two double-sized beds, two dressers, and nightstands and an end table. So if you have any of those things, we want to meet that need. We have folks that are willing to deliver that. But that's part of who we are. We're not just about some building or something uh, like that. We're about real people with real needs, whether it's paying for a uh, 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 utility bill because somebody got in a rough bind or if it's actually like delivering furniture to somebody's house. How about two little kids having beds to sleep on? Who can be, get behind that? Yeah? All right. Well, I'm sure we'll dive into that and, and get that taken care of, but I'm really proud of our church. So with that in mind, let's talk about some dollars and cents with Paul. Paul... Um, what is the difference in your mind between successful and unsuccessful financial planning? Yeah, that's a good question, Josh. Um, I would say the first thing that uh, everybody needs to have in order to be successful at financial planning is a plan. And a plan uh, can mean a lot of things to different people. But I think probably the second part of that answer that is more important is the follow through. Being able to follow through on the plan um, is where I see most people failing. So a lot of times that's why people will hire us 
as planners because there's plenty of information on the internet and places to go, but most people have trouble following their plan and they just need somebody to hold their hand. And so I'm gonna illustrate something here if you don't mind. Um, in my roughly 30 years of doing this, uh, I've probably met with 5,000 different couples, businesses, churches, foundations, nonprofits, you name it, um, all different types of organizations that have money coming in and going out, and it includes a lot of families. I would say that they fall into one of two categories. Now, disclaimer, I'm not an artist, but I think you'll follow my point here. Two different types of people, two different types of businesses. These circles are supposed to represent the same size What you have is, is this circle represents the income that's coming into a family, into a business, whatever it is. And what you'll find is, is most people live where they spend, 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 and down here where it's really, really small, I'm gonna write this, they try to squeak out because they feel guilty, they know they should, they try to save. A lot of times I will write that so small that you can't even read it. Then there's another group of people that basically make saving very important to them and they adopt a plan, they bite the bullet, they start somewhere and they build a plan to save and they stay disciplined to it. And what's interesting is they have the opportunity to spend until there's no money left. And a way to tie this back into what we're all here for is tithing works the same way. God's trusting you with money. He's testing you, seeing if you can be responsible. Well, can you tithe and can you save is one of the questions. So what we do as planners when we run into people like this is we try to help people take baby steps to get to circle B, if that makes sense to you. Josh, we can sit back down and I'll reference this as we go. Yeah, you had said something uh, earlier. What percentage of people that you meet with are in circle A when you meet with them and then what? Yeah, I would say that close to 97% of the people that we run into are in circle A. And very few people are in circle B um, to where they actually need to be and I think that's a society issue. Um, and what I would ask you a question is, is, and it's a rhetorical question, but which circle, if you're a family, A or B, do you think has a healthier marriage? Which one has children that probably get better grades, are more at peace? It's obvious. I've witnessed it. I see it happening. And I would tell you that everybody in circle A struggles, and they struggle with all parts of their life. And it's amazing how all this stuff that Aaron and Marty and Josh preach on, it's all intertwined. It's all intertwined here, and so that if you were to help get your finances in order, I think you'd see other parts of your life get in order too. That's a good point, that's a good point. So, a quick question there. So, obviously, we know that tithe is 10%. That's what the word tithe means. Mm -hmm. What do you recommend folks to, to be saving? I would say that uh, the save section in Circle B 
varies on each person and each circumstance. But uh, if you're younger, it's a smaller number. If you're older, and that's a relative term, um, it's a bigger number. Like 100. <laughs> and it's, I've aged, it's changed. But um, what I would share with you is that I would say the average person needs to be saving about 20% of their income. Um, I've seen numbers higher than that, and I've seen numbers lower than that, and every circumstance is different. Okay, let me ask you the nerd question in case there's any nerds out here. Uh, is that on the gross, or is that on the net? That would be on the gross. Um, you tithe on the gross, and you uh, save on the gross. And it's hard, and I see a lot of people gulp. Okay, they gulp when they see that. They're like, oh my gosh. And what I would share with you is, um, if I asked you to save 20% of your income and you're only doing one or 2%, you're gonna look at me and go, wow. But if I asked you this question, I said, if you had to, in a worst case scenario, could li you live on 80% of your income? Everybody says yes. Almost without a doubt, they go yes. What's well, interesting, that's the same question. So it's just a matter of learning how to get there. Okay. Uh, Paul, what are some of the most common mistakes that you see people make with money? Well, it goes back to what I said earlier around having no plan, um, lack of accountability to follow through on the plan. Um, my dad used to say this phrase, um, you have a champagne taste and a beer budget. Um, it's basically uh, overspending. It's... Um, it's basically spending more than you make. So how people are handle, handling their funds. And I know we see this as we take, do intake and visit with folks for benevolence and help folks out. Like this church is willing to help people out and we want people to help themselves. So like I can't save because I don't have any money besides my $300 cell phone bill and my internet and my TV and that I financed and all those other things. Like we want to help people out by giving them great advice and, and having them things in proper perspective, right? And uh, some of the common mistakes that we would see for folks is, is if you don't have what they call delayed gratification. And we tie that into status where you're buying things that you can't afford to impress people that don't care uh, on in, in your financing things. And so um, those are some of the common things that we see. And we have some text in there, and you're going to see your text all through your notes, so I'm not trying to get away from the text because God has already told us how to do this, right? Um, but uh, you can follow up with those in your group. Uh, if I'm... So let's say I'm sitting in here and I'm just that absolute, like I'm not even, I can't even see broke. Like broke is over here, like where I have nothing, but I'm at like negative or zero or like way down here. What is your advice for, what should I do first? I'm going to answer that in two parts. Um, the first part is the real obvious one is, is if we were a EMT and we were uh, in an ambulance and we pulled up to an accident, somebody's bleeding. It's really simple. You stop the bleeding. That's how you keep people alive. And the, the issue here for most people with their finances is the same thing. There's people bleeding, they're overspending, they're spending more than they're making. So they need to stop, they need to evaluate where they are, they need to look at their whole situation and decide what's important. And we all make choices, and basically you're living now knowing that you're gonna pay later. And so you've gotta deal with it now. I'm gonna tell a story here. Um, so roughly 30 years in this business, and you start off typically calling on your friends and family, I'm younger, 
and I'm talking to a lot of younger folks at the beginning, and I finally get referred to a, a couple that's doing really, really well financially. Uh, making it up, Glenn and Celia are their names, and um, I go to their house, this huge, huge house, beautiful cars in the driveway, and uh, I know they do really well, I'd heard that. And I sat down, I was like, what am I gonna tell them? How am I, as a young person, gonna be able to influence them to, to help them? And I did what I knew how to do, and I drew these circles. And it was interesting, I drew these circles and I asked them where they were. Tears started coming out of her eyes, then out of his eyes. Almost created a little bit of a spat between the two of them. And um, I remember what I learned next is I asked them what their income was. And this is what's really important for you to all understand. They were making $50,000 a month is what they were bringing home. And they were having financial issues. They weren't saving anything. Money was going out of their checkbook as fast as it was coming in. And it had to deal with more of habits than it did with um, the income that they had. I know a lot of people that have money that's significantly bigger than that, and they still have issues. So it doesn't matter whether your income, Josh, is 20,000 a year, 20,000 a month, 20,000 a week, $20,000 a day. The issues apply to everybody. It really comes down to habits. People that actually win the lottery statistically are broke after a while because they don't have good habits. Yeah. Well, that leads me to our next question I was thinking about is what is the criteria that you use to evaluate whether somebody is financially successful? Well, I used to think that it came down to how much money they had. But as I've done this a long time, I've seen a lot of people that don't make a lot of money become very financially independent. And I think it really comes down to what I keep saying is the word habit. They basically know how to save, they create a habit no matter what they are making, they save money, they tithe, they do the things that make them feel good. And what's interesting is this, I see it in their lifestyle. I see it in the people they hang around, I see it in their children. It's just, it really doesn't matter how much money somebody makes, they just need to ad adopt a plan and stick with it. So when you see, you're, you're, things you're looking for is habits. And, and just to recap, the habit of, of putting God first, if you're a Christian, you say you are, being generous with your tithe, uh, the habit of saving money and then letting everything else, you just put those two bills at the front of the month instead of at the back of the month. Plan, bite the bullet, as I say sometimes. You buy into, I, this is a responsibility. You know, it's interesting. God's testing us constantly with money, right? It's something that we all have to deal with. He's testing us. Can we do that? Can we be responsible? Yeah. Well, and it reminded me of a story of, I heard of a gal that works for a company across the border here, um, and she's an assembler, and she started with this company at the very beginning, and she's an assembler of products that they make, and she was faithful in her savings year after year after year after year as an assembler and as a millionaire because of, not because of how much she made, but what she did with what she made. And so I love that example that it's not about if you made 100,000 a week or 100,000, my whole life would be changed if I had you know, $10 million today, not if I have the same habits. And so checking those habits, and those habits are in the text, those habits are, 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 are that we have a plan for that. You know, as we think about our text and, and, and staying, out, staying out of debt, we think about our text of working hard you know, the, the diligent prosper because they work hard. They don't use excuses, right? 
And so, Josh, I was going to this week I was reading the text and I, I read the story in Genesis where Jacob wanted to marry Rachel and he was told he needed to continue to work for seven years. And he did that and then he married her sister Leah and then seven more years and it really requires patience. And it's interesting, there's all kinds of lessons, biblically speaking, that can talk to us about the same type of thing. Financial well-being is not something you go like this or you check a box. It's habits, it's patience, it's sticking with it. It's, it's really a lifestyle. That's good, Paul. That's really good. Um, so a couple things. Let me ask a question here. And we can, how many people have ever had a financial plan to be successful? Raise your hand if you've ever had a plan. That's okay. So that's like more than like half of our folks. So we have a plan. So Paul, you talked about, number one, like you see people that have a plan, but you talked about accountability. Tell me in your life, like where are pieces of your life where accountability changed your life? Yeah. Um, I was really excited to see so many people raise their hands. I mean, people obviously are aware of this, but you know, Josh asked me if I'd share a story kind of personally, and I I'll share with you a story that goes quite a ways back, but um, it's a piece of who I am. I'm sorry I get emotional about it. Um, Newly married, new at this business. Um, Finances aren't what you want them because you're starting a business and um, it's one of those things you don't get a salary. There's no guarantee, so you're basically out there trying to earn clients. And I can remember... Tammy, my wife, and I were living in a place that wasn't one of those places you wanted to brag about. And we were at a point where financially didn't have enough money to pay all the bills. And um, I had dreamt and told Tammy about my dreams and the things that I wanted to do in our lives and the people we wanted to impact. And it was interesting. We got to a point financially where um, I actually had to pick up the phone, as embarrassing as it is, and call at the time it was Washington Water Power or Avista, and tell them I couldn't pay the bill. I couldn't afford to pay the bill this month. And I sat there that night, sleepless night, and staring at my wife in the dark as she's sleeping, just tears coming off my face, my pillows wet, And I'm just thinking, what am I going to do? I was looking at other jobs. I was trying to think about what to do. And she woke up, and I'm so grateful for this. She woke up, and she just wiped the tears off my face. And she said, what's going on? And we talked about it. And she said, "Um, so you had all these dreams. You had this plan. You're going to work. You knew it was going to be hard. Nobody said it was going to be easy and all this type of stuff. She goes, I don't understand. I think you just need to follow through and do what you said you're going to do. You need to stick with the plan. And she goes, you got to go to work tomorrow and work. (laughs) And it was interesting because that was the defining moment for me in my career about uh, ultimately what I would consider to become successful is I needed to stick with it. And I needed somebody to help me. And at that time, it was my wife. And I'm forever grateful for that. Thanks for sharing that, Paul. I appreciate that. So, uh, the first time I had heard that story, I don't remember if it was you or Tammy telling it, but it, 
the way I remember Tammy saying is like, she like looked at him. She had empathy. She was sad. She's like, well, if you can't accomplish your goals and dreams in doing these other things, then you better get to work and mm-hmm. rolled over and went back to bed. Yep. <laughs> True story. <laughs> they're like, she, she won't let me quit. Okay. Yeah. Well, and don't you need somebody in your walk in your life with, with your faith that won't let you quit? Don't you need somebody in your walk in your marriage that won't let you quit? Don't you need somebody in your finances that won't let you quit? And it's about accountability. So invite that accountability in your life. Paul, let's ask, let me ask you this question. How do you view debt? You know, Josh mentioned it earlier today. Don't go into debt. But I would say this. Debt is, there's two kinds of debt. And you need to keep this in mind. You need to keep this perspective. There are some people and some businesses that debt is a good thing. So there's good debt and there's bad debt. In general, um, you don't want to have any debt if you can afford it. But the consumer debt, the snowmobiles, going to Walmart, credit cards, those types of things, you want to get rid of that as fast as you can. That is very, very freeing as human beings to feel debt-free that way. Now, on the flip side, the good debt would be things like, I'm a farmer. You can't go in and buy a multi-million dollar farm if you don't have the money, so you've got to borrow it. And so you're going to borrow money to buy an asset. The asset, you're going to pay back over time with the income that this asset generates. You're going to pay the bank back. You're going to build some equity. And it's going to pay you some income. That's good debt. That's a form of leverage. That's something you'd want to consider. I still still see people do that and still get into trouble. So you want to be really, really careful with debt. Debt is a dangerous thing, but it can be a really good thing for some people in some circumstances. So you're talking about debt and things that actually provide income or if it, if it actually produces things. They, I just, just made me think about this. This is all bonus content right here. The other two services didn't get this. The very <laughs> first thing that I went into debt for was at Smith's Home Furnishing, which they're out of business, shocker. And I got these sweet Infinity Tower speakers with an awesome Onkyo, or Onkyo, I think it's Onkyo, uh, <laughs> receiver. And it was like 980 bucks. My friend's dad co-signed for me. And of course, he called me when I didn't pay the bills uh, when I was like 18 years old. So this stereo, though, it was a good time, but it never really generated any income for me. It was weird. So is that the bad debt? That's the bad debt, okay. Josh. Just double check. That's the bad debt. Just double check. Yeah. I did pay yeah. it off yeah. at some point in time. But man, it was so cool. All right. Uh, yeah, don't get a stereo. Um, so what are some of the strategies uh, that you have for reducing or getting out of debt, Paul? Um, so everybody is going to be in a different circumstance. And I can't have one answer that fits all. But I'll give you some examples of things that we would see. Um, we need to look at people's income. We need to look at their expenses. What's their budget? A lot of people don't have a budget. That'd be step one. Step two is look at your assets and look at your liabilities. And when we look at your liabilities, a lot of times a really simple example would be somebody comes in and they have a handful of credit cards. One of them is at 19% interest and one of them is at 10% interest. You want to pay the 19% interest down at a faster rate because you're paying more interest. I remember a really young, a young guy early in my career 
that was a client of mine said something to me that stuck with me forever. And I hope you all, if you were to write one thing down, would be this phrase. Those who understand compound interest earn it. Those who don't pay it. I'll say it again. Those who understand compound interest earn it. Those who don't pay it. And so as far as getting out of debt, sometimes it's looking at the interest. Sometimes people have spent so far that maybe it's time that we sell something. Maybe it's time we reduce the size of our home. We have to be real with ourselves. The facts are the facts that basically God's testing us with money and we need to be responsible about it. That's the only way that we'll feel good. I said earlier, I think, maybe I said it in the last service, it's hard enough to make a marriage work without worrying about the money all the time. So if you have a plan and you can stick with it, it's a lot easier to make a marriage work. It's not saying that that's going to make it easy, but it's easier. Sure. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, and just for, just for everybody aware, Paul's not accepting new clients. This isn't an advertisement for Paul, all those things. He's just here serving us and, and loving on us and giving his 30 years of wisdom. So I appreciate you doing that, Paul, and, and sharing with us. Um, we're going to, uh, uh, and again, you have lots of text in here to go over with your uh, home group that's backing up a lot of the things that we're saying, and we've, we've heard those things before. We just have to apply them, having a plan, having accountability in your life, doing those things critical. And so we want to start with our uh, communion. If you're serving communion, if you wouldn't mind uh, go ahead and getting that rolling. We have an open table here. If you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he's a part of your life, uh, we ask you to just uh, hold the elements and we'll take it all together. Uh, if you haven't, just let it pass on by. It's, it's, it won't mean a lot to you uh, if you don't know the, know the Lord and we'd love to talk to you about that. So um, these questions for the week are for your fabulous home groups. We had a great celebration. We had 23 people get connected into home groups last week, another nine on Thursday, and I have no idea so far today, but our goal was to have 45 or 50 more people over the last two weeks get plugged into a home group and start having some of that accountability. So here's some of the questions that the home groups are going to be going over this week. Um, what are some of the things uh, you are doing intentionally to be financially successful? And so in your home group, you'd be talking about that, you know, like, well, hey, I started saving. We save like 3% a, uh, a year. Well, good for you. That's a good start, right? Let's move that to 3% a quarter and start seeing people that are moving forward. And maybe, you, maybe you're sitting in here and you've, you've, you're like, yep, I know about finance, Josh. Yeah, we do this every year and you talk about this stuff and I'm really good at it and I've, uh, I've been very successful with my finances. We need you. We need you to be open to mentoring other people to make great decisions about their finances. You know, you don't talk about religion, you don't talk about sex, you don't talk about politics, you don't talk about money, right? Because what do those have to do with life? <laughs> oh, everything? Okay. Well, you shouldn't be afraid. If somebody opens a door to, to receive some counsel from you and you've done a good job in your finances, or maybe you're in the process of of, of revealing just kind of where you are, that you're moving forward, that's awesome. Encourage one another to do that, right? We're supposed to encourage one another daily. And so what are you doing that's helping you be successful? Of some of the common mistakes that Paul listed, how many do you connect with? Oh, yeah, that's right. You know, as you start thinking about that, are there any others you'd be willing to add to the list? So if you've made, like if you're just taking some big swings and made some really bad financial decisions, uh, do you want to share that so somebody else wouldn't actually make those same mistakes? Or do you just want to keep it in because it's too embarrassing, right? I hope you'd want to share it because that's what a community would do. It'd be like, yeah, you probably shouldn't finance your 58-inch TV. That's not going to make you any money, right? So have those discussions. Uh, think about this. You guess what we're going to do probably a year from now? 
probably another finance series, right? And you're going to remember back to when Paul stood up here. And I'm going to ask you this. What changes do you hope to see in your finances? And what are you willing to give up to get there? What changes do you hope to see in your finances? And what are you willing to give up to get there? And maybe some of you have made great strides this last year and we're super darn proud of you. And let's take some people with us, right? There's good things about momentum. And having a debt-free church with debt-free folks who are fired up about Jesus, that's a pretty powerful thing. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Well, I want you guys, we'll hold our communion. I want you guys to check out this video. We're going to not only uh, uh, talk about the finances, but we want to provide a venue for you to actually plug in and have accountability strictly for your finances. And so we're going to talk a little bit, and you'll see a little video about uh, Dave Ramsey and Financial Peace University. How does that make you feel? Is that good? Is that, is that the same as when I got, bought my stereo? It's not the same feeling I got when I bought my stereo. It's weird on credit. So uh, you can sign up for that, liferoadtp.com, FPU. We're going to be launching that soon. We have uh, the kits and all those things here. And if you want to get into some serious accountability, you know what's cool about those classes, and we have a guy uh, trained to lead it, is, is they, like, total up the debt and they start working on it like and it's awesome as a as a team they're like getting excited and celebrate and he gets let me tell you what if you were to go ahead and sign up for that class and you were to bust your tail for the next six eight twelve twenty four five years whatever it is and you get debt free i'll let you come up here and scream it <laughs> i'll let you talk you could do this the 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 debt serving uh, in 2023 uh, about how you got out of debt and how you were, you were chasing those things. And the freedom of finances ties directly into the freedom of the ultimate sacrifice that our Lord and Savior gave. One of the cool things I like about Dave Ramsey, he says, you know what? You'll never have true peace until you're walking with the Prince of Peace. Because God's financial principles work for everybody, even non-Christians. Right? But how much more beautiful is it when we're a Christian and we're following God's word and we, can, and we can do some cool things in our community like we're already doing because you're getting free. This is not about a give the church more money stuff. This is about you changing your life. The guy was, was a bank robber. I was a bank robber. Like, I know I wasn't, but like, that was shocking to me. How does, how does a felon get a job enough to pay off $44,000 in X number of months? Because he's focused because he's called. He's not accepting excuses. Then neither did our Lord. Sacrificing for us, right? So I'm praying that that this sinks in for you guys. If if there's just even a few of you guys that just choose to make this the rest of your life, you're going to change generations. And our Father in Heaven changed generations. And so if you want to be part of that change, let's, let's do this together. So on the night he took that bread and he held it up and he said, this is my body. Take this and eat. Let's, let's take it and eat. And then he took the cup. And he said, saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant. Thank you, Father. Lord, um, I just uh, have had a powerful experience today with amazing worship. Uh, amazing uh, man sharing with us just ideas and your text is so full and so amazing, Lord. I just ask that you would uh, let this just sift in us. And if there's areas where we can step up and help others, that you'd call us to do that. Help others with a plan. Help others with accountability to take bold steps 
to not see our brothers and sisters struggle, to encourage them. Lord, and if, if we're out here and we're just like, I am not even, I can't even see broke, but I see you and I see a plan and I see a way out, that you'd be encouraged to chase that plan. You'd be encouraged to find accountability, to get plugged in, to not hear any excuses. Because, Lord, we are free. We're free in you. We're free because of your sacrifice. You paid the ultimate price, Father. Help us to honor that. Help us to chase you well, Lord, and to to show you off so well to the people around us. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life on the Palouse. You can find out more about us by visiting us online at liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.